Hello, this is Janet Gallen welcoming you to Love Letters Live. And today's guest is by my invitation, and I thought wonderful idea, a return guest. Larry Strauss is an author. You've got five books to your credit, right? Five novels. Five novels. Thank and you. Some other stuff. And um, is a teacher. And I was so, I am so touched whenever I hear somebody's a teacher. I have, a, I have questions and I have a lot to say because it is an important, it is a very important career. And we hear that all the time, how important teachers are. And let's talk about how important they are for starters. You, you start. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're uh, you know, learning, learning isn't just something you do in school. It's something you do for your whole life. And uh, unfortunately, some of us get turned off to learning. We get the idea that we're not good at learning. Uh, and some of that is because uh, teachers are overwhelmed. They're, you know, badly trained. W whatever the reason, it, it can have a profound impact. I, I know as a parent and I know as somebody who talks to a lot of parents, you know, just how awful it is when your kid has a teacher and it's not working. Okay, let me ask you something. Just for what, what level do you teach? I teach high school. And uh, right now, I, this year, I, I have almost entirely older high school, like um, seniors and juniors. I have, I have a few freshmen, but some, I used to teach sophomores. Anyway, it switches around, but so it's almost all, it's really young adults. There are um, many of them turn 18 in my class. Do you have a preference? <sighs> you know, I, I find the older kids easier to teach. Do you? But I missed, yeah. But I missed the, I missed the sophomores. Now that I don't teach them, they, they were, you know, they're a little more challenging. You know, I, I'm asking that. I for a while, for quite a while, I was tutoring in algebra and geometry, and English writing skills. But you know, so many, so many kids are afraid of math. Yes. And they'll, they'll never use it, and I don't have to do it. And and I actually found I really like teaching the younger ones or people who hadn't had any experience yet to get in there before the damage was done. Because personally, I don't think, I don't think you can have much more fun sitting down than doing math. You know, I think if, I think if you have the right teacher um, right. So and, I, you know, and, and it's not, and it isn't just the teacher. It isn't just, it's, it's the system because the teachers get browbeaten with test data. And I know the math teachers at, at where I teach are there, you know, at least under the previous leadership, we have a new, we have a new principal, but then the previously they were always being, you know, dismissed as in, it was always being implied that somehow they were failing because the kids' well, math was, scores weren't high. Oh, okay. So I have a, I have a, something to share about that. Um, I knew a young woman who in high school, she was terrible at math, very smart girl, and she was just awful at math. And they finally put her into a remedial math class, which was taught with such creativity and was such fun. Mm. And she just soared right to the top. Mm. And so yeah. they put her back in her regular class where she was bored and confused again. Now, why isn't there some standard all across the board for every subject, some standard of teaching where it's imperative that you have got to have fun doing it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. Or, I mean, you, or, you, or go 
sell shoes somewhere that you don't belong. In I can show you, you know, but again, right. If the, if the, if the people in charge, if that was their imperative too, if the administrators were judged on how much fun the students are having uh-huh. learning, I mean, how much they're learning, how, but how enjoyable they are, how much they enjoy learning. Um, if the superintendent of the school system was judged by that, you know, if, if it's just the teachers and everybody above them is still, uh, you know, using the metrics of, of test data, then it's not going to work. But well, I'm talking about something else, though. Something's got to shine through. Mm-hmm. Teacher. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, I can only tell you for me, you know, I love the subject I teach. And so consequently, I, I love teaching it. And if, if students aren't enjoying it, then I know there's something wrong with how I'm doing it. You know, I've either picked something for them. I've either picked a work that's maybe a little inaccessible to them and I'm trying to go too fast at it, or, you know, I've given them an assignment to write and I haven't properly prepared them. I mean, if they're not, you know, not to say that they, you know, the, the, what high school students do is they, there's a negotiation that goes on, you know, they come into class and they don't want to do anything that particular day, but they want to, you know, but they want to succeed. They want to, my students, anyway, they want to succeed. They want to be prepared for college. They want to be successful. So, you know, they don't really want me to give into that. They want me to push back, but, but still, you know, they, they don't want, you know, they, they feel, they feel stressed out. They're, most of them are first generation students. Some, many of them have jobs. They're doing college applications. Uh, a lot of them on their own. They, they, they don't have parents who can help them with it. And so, and so they're, uh, you know, and they're taking a lot of difficult classes. So, so they're, they are, they are reasonably stressed out. And unfortunately the, the joy of learning is often taken away just by the stress of succeeding, you know, like, like if they're so focused on the grades and what do I have to do to get a grade? And, you know, that there, there isn't, yeah, there isn't that joy. And, you know, and when I confront there, them, about- a, I remember, I remember actually when I was in college freshman and the, the teacher was really on a roll. He was just having a wonderful time and it was just infectious. And he was, and one young man in class raised his hand and he said, yes. And he said, Will that be on the final exam? Yeah, yeah, of and course. The threw, and the guy threw him out of class. Yeah. Wow. Now, and and I, you know, and now, I, right. And I, I would yeah. never throw a kid out of class for that because that's, the, that they've been trained. The whole system has trained them to ask that question. Don't blame the kid. Throw the school off campus for that question. <laughs> you know, we, we make it about the grades. What, I mean, what do you remember? Them. What do you remember? as your earliest experience with a teacher, like nursery school, kindergarten. And, and I remember, I remember, I remember teachers being very nice, very warm um, early on. I mean, I don't, I don't remember liking school though. And I don't remember being very good at it. But I remember the teachers seemed okay. And then I, I, I kind of remember when teachers started to become mean, you know, and demanding. Um, how, you know, that, how, how old were you and how did that take form? Because I remember a couple of the, vicious ones. Third grade, 
you know, I, we had a, I had a third grade teacher who was, uh, but she, I mean, she wasn't, she was just very strict. She was strict. She wasn't mean. She was just strict. And, you know, uh, but I don't remember not, I don't remember not liking her. I don't remember not liking a teacher till probably till high school, you know, and then it got really bad. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm fighting with teachers. Like, with your teacher? Like really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like cussing them out, you know. What evoked that in you? What's that? What evoked that in you? Oh, I just thought he was petty. I just thought he was being petty. And, you know, I mean, I, even to this day, I can, I can remember, I can, and I can, um, his name was Mr. Peterson. He's a math teacher. And I, I, I can, and I can sometimes feel the impulse to become, you know, to become like him in moments, you know, and resisting that impulse to do that petty, you know, using the power, using the teacher's power over a student. Uh, although I must say, <clears throat> I haven't felt that way at all this year, like zero since, yeah. you know, being away for a year and a half and then coming back. Um, I just don't, I just, nothing, nothing, nothing really bothers me very much that the students do. How, you know, how are you bound? How are you bound to curriculum requirements? Has that changed? Uh, I mean, that that's a big issue, isn't it? I'm very for. I'm very fortunate. I'm a very fortunate teacher, and I, 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 the first to point that out. Not every, not every teacher can do what I do. I, I've been in the same school for thirty years. When yeah. I came to that school, it was, it was a last chance school for, um, for kids who had been kicked out or, or dropped out, and. And uh, a lot, many of them were in the criminal justice system. So was that a continuation school or was it just? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, it was under the, yeah, we okay. were part of that, that system. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And, you know, and I pushed, I pushed academics pretty hard on, on the kids, uh, you know, but it was always in a fun way. It was like every kid had to have a path to success, no matter how far behind they got, you know, you can't. You what what about expectations? And well, um, yeah, well, you you know, but the expectations has to be on the individual kid. You can't right. have one, you know. Yeah, the expectation is that you're going to engage and try, and then you know, whatever. I mean, each kid has to. You have to have a goal for each student uh, that's realistic. But anyway, I've I've been there. You know, so I paid my dues at a time when nobody, nobody in the system cared what our test scores were. They only cared that, you know, nobody killed anybody in, on our campus, that, you know, our attendance. Yes, yeah, that's important. And, you know, really, like if we didn't have a disaster, mm -hmm. we were OK. And so by the time all this testing, the, the tyranny of all this testing came, came around, um, you know, I was a, I was an, I was an experienced veteran board cert, national board certified. Um, I had a reputation, you know, I was, I taught, you know, many members of the same family. Uh, uh, and, you know, I was extremely popular with students in the school. Okay. So, so wait, stop it. What made you popular? This is important for teachers to listen to this. Oh, because, uh, I cared about students more than anything. Like, I just, I, I let them know and I proved it that I cared about. Them. How do you prove that? Um, when a kid gets in a fight and he's going to be kicked out, you go and stand up for him and you, you know, you yell at the principal and you say, 
you know, let him stay. If he gets, if he gets another fight, you can fire me. Like, you know, you, you, you know, you, or, or in one case, you know, you break up a bunch of boys fighting and you make an agreement not to tell anybody, mm -hmm. you know, some of it, some of it is subversive. Um, you know, you teach kids based on their interests. You make it fun. Uh, you find ways to make school feel less like school or, you know, you learn. Okay, so, so can you describe that? Like what, what does school feel like at its worst and how do you make it less like school? Well, well, at its worst, it's PowerPoint memorization, oh, yeah. quiz, test, you know, the mm -hmm. test has nothing to do with what's in the book or what's the, like this arbitrary test to show kids how what they don't know. Um, when school start, starts stops feeling like school is when uh, you're doing projects for one thing. Like uh, I started a school newspaper my first year and, you know, that became, you know, our classroom became like a newsroom. Although, you know, realistically, some of, you know, some of the kids are so conditioned to not doing anything unless there's, they have a very specific structured assignment every second. And then they, or they drift, you know, so it's work, it's hard work, but. That, that's going to be hard for, for you and for the students when you may be the only person who's proud of them for what they have done. Yeah. But it's, you know, but if at least there's somebody yeah. that, you know, that means something to them, um, you know, but once, and just being, I, I, kids are bored and they hate, they hate being bored. Right. And so even if just the class is fun, I mean, just being funny and not everybody, not everybody can be funny in a class setting. I, I understand that. I mean, I work with teachers. I've mentored a bunch, a bunch of teachers and I don't tell them all be funny because well, what, what, what can you not all. teach? I mean, I don't mean, what can you not teach your students? There's some things that are just not teachable to teachers. You can't, you can't, you can't make a person funny. No, you no. Make a, you can't make a person sensitive. You can make right. them react. No, you have to. I think, I think, I think teaching teacher and mentoring teachers, which I've done, I think you have to approach it the same way you approach kids. And that is that it's not all, it's not success is not all the same. They have to find, or like teaching writing, you know, you find your own voice. You, have, you gotta find your voice as a writer. You can't, you can't write like, you can't be told this is there's one way to do it and this is how to do it. You got to find your way. Now, Im that said, imitation is is a very powerful tool. I know as a writer, I had a writing mentor, and, you know, and he would say, you know, well, well, how would uh, how would George Bernard Shaw write this scene, or how would uh, um, John Irving write this, or how would so you, you know? He would actually give assignments and have somebody do a writing in the you well, know, like, like I'm teaching creative writing right now. And, and, you know, we read a variety of stories by a variety of authors. And, you know, and I won't say to everybody, okay, imitate this Tobias Wolf story, imitate this. Um, but can um, you say write something okay. as if you are that person? But I, right. Well, what I'll say is like, well, I'll pick from five authors. We'll read five. And I'll go, well, pick the one you want to imitate, you know, and, yeah. and, and, write it the way, you know, you imagine they would write it. And of course it doesn't come out as a, I, you know, I, I say to them, this is very different than plagiarism. Imitation is, is flattery and it's not going to be, it's not going to be plagiarism. It's going to be original. It's going to be you. It's but in somebody else's style. Yeah. So I think, 
that's why I, I think for, for young teachers, it, the ideal thing would be to be at a school with a lot of great experienced teachers who all have different styles. And then you find the one that you think you could do. I, when I, when I was a student teacher, I, I, I worked with two women. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Miss Powledge and Miss Sands. Miss Sands was this, they were both very successful teachers. Like they both, they were both really good. And, but Miss, Miss Sands, I couldn't do it like her. She was this very sweet, nurturing, and she had some, she had some rough kids from, you know, who had rough backgrounds mm-hmm. and they were just, they, her sweetness just lulled them into, oh, that's... You know, but I couldn't be that person. That was just not in me. So, you know, Miss Powellage was a little bit of a wise ass and, you know, a little, a little tougher around the edges. Like she loved them, but she didn't, she wasn't, you know, she wasn't sweet about it. And so I remember the, when I, I observed Miss this Miss Sands. I was like, I don't think I could do this. And then I went and saw Miss Powellich and I realized, like, okay, I could do this. I could do it the way she's doing it. I could do that. So that was kind of permission to be yourself in that way. Right. I mean, I wasn't, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't her, but it let me know, like, okay, that can work. You how know, long like, do you how long do you think you have in a classroom? It's the first day of school. How long do you think you have to win over a class? Um, I don't know, because I mean, I usually win them over the first day. I mean, it doesn't, it's not hard, but I, 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 mean, I agree that it's not, if you know what I you mean, do, but I have to say like, part of it is, I feel bad saying this publicly, but part of it is that, you know, part of it is that the bar is kind of low. Like, Uh-oh. you know, the teacher, when I was teaching 10th grade, the ninth grade teacher was so, was just the students just disliked his class so much he was so rigid I mean is he is so rigid and 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 I see him trying to be different but Mm -hmm. they they get to my class and I didn't really have to do much to win them over um just the relief of not being in his class probably helped yeah I mean let me me ask you something who what's required oh what is required to become a teacher so you're in college, you decide you want to become a yeah. teacher for some reason. What what are the requirements that get you to this position of being a teacher? Well, right now it's not much because there's an acute teacher shortage. But under normal sir, on normal times, um, it's uh, like a year. When I was doing it, it was a year of, of teacher training, mm-hmm. mostly, which is mostly useless, but you know, which everybody knows. Uh, now I think it might even be more than a year. But uh, a lot of teachers, my daughter's a high school art teacher. She got an emergency credential and then she was able to get it. She was able to teach full time while she was getting her credential. Mm -hmm. So it actually took longer than a year because she was, you know, doing it while she was working. A lot of people do that. It used to be you could only do that in hard to staff um, subjects like uh, um, math and science and special ed. Now I think it must be open to anybody because there's no, there are not enough teachers. I mean, at the beginning of the school year, we were short. Everybody was short. There was, I wrote an op-ed in USA Today. You actually had like classrooms that didn't have a teacher walk into them? Yeah. So yeah, we had, um, we had a math position unfilled. So the other math teachers were just filling in on their off periods. 
and then you know you'd have substitutes but the problem was there's not there aren't enough substitutes either it's like really bad about during the after the um, 2008 financial crisis when schools budgets were slashed mm-hmm. um, uh, young teachers got laid off and a lot of them became oh. you know embittered to the profession because they put in all this work and many of them were really good teachers working hard and they were just, just, you know, sent off. And then, and then, and then uh, people, people coming out of credential programs couldn't get jobs. And so a lot of people stopped seeing teaching as a viable option. And now we have this terrible shortage we have all these old teachers like me who are, you know, nearing retirement or retiring and there's nobody to take their place. There's another issue that I I just want to know what you think. People, teachers, okay, first of all, teaching is an art. And I remember growing up, parents who, I think we talked about this for a minute last time, parents who would encourage their children who were excellent singers or actors or whatever it is they wanted to do, athletes, they wanted to follow some profession that was hard to follow. And- I remember parents saying, well, get your teaching credentials so you'll have something to fall back on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, and the under message is when you fail at this, but to get a teaching well, credential. Or, or until you succeed at it, which is more the more realistic. Well, okay, so that's, oh, yes, okay. But that wasn't the message. The message was, you know, you're not going to earn your living at this very yeah, yeah. art. You need so to become a teacher. So you, you, you had teachers who did not want to be teachers and right. it was very clear they didn't. And how do you put a stop to that? I mean, is there some point at which you can say to somebody who wants to, who's applying to be a teacher, this isn't for you, go do something else. Well, yeah, you can, but. You, Nobody you, do it now. You theoretically could. And they, and they do. I mean, when I was, um, when I was a student teacher, I, my, the two mentors I had who I, talked about earlier they told me that the last student teacher they'd worked with they had not they had not recommended her for credential that she was not she was not competent to be not fit to be a teacher but um you know she just she's never got never quite got it which that surprised me because i thought they would say that about me i was so bad at that point but um, no, the, the only way you could solve this, the problem, the reason you, the reason they don't do it more is there aren't enough teachers as long as there's a shortage. But when I was growing up, there were enough teachers. Right. But there were enough teachers at, there were enough, but there weren't enough good teachers, right? Ah, because all these other people got in so they could just have something right. to fall back because, on. Right. Because the system could right. not be, you know, I mean, the simple explanation is an economic one which is if you, if you paid teachers, you know, if the starting salary was $150,000 a year, mm-hmm. then people who were not uh, actors and musicians would, you know, somebody would be deciding between medical school, law school, and getting a teaching credential as three equal opportunities, equal choices. And so you'd get you'd get some of the best and brightest. And then from there, you could select how many of the, these best and brightest can be good teachers. Oh, because okay. So you can really, it's like if you're, yeah, you could be a brilliant, you'd be brilliant student, but if you don't have the coordination to be a surgeon, 
you know, you're not going to become a cert, but, but at least the medical school gets to pick from the, from the top. Yeah. The law schools get to pick from the top. The teaching credential programs don't get to pick from the top. They, they get some people, they get some brilliant people uh, who and just they get really want to be teachers. So devoted. Yeah, one of my, one of my son's uh, classmates in high school, she's a straight A student, got into many top universities. She wants to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. you know because she loves it she's always wanted to be a teacher she wants to be a teacher she could go to law school she could go to she could probably go to you know harvard business school i mean she's that smart she happens to want to be a teacher but you can't rely on that if you want to have a core of you know really great teachers then you know you have you would have to you would have to pay that or at least I mean, maybe you don't have to start that high i don't know but i don't i just don't know if the economics you know, how much would that cost? Like how much, where would that money come from? You know, there's so many teachers, there's so many public school teachers. If you raise the salaries by, you know, a hundred dollars. On the other hand, but it, it would make sense though, that you would save money at the other end yes. as a, as a state or a city. Oh yeah. Because you would have fewer kids on the street getting into trouble because they'd like to be in class and they'd see the value of, Sticking with so you save money at the other end. Oh, it's like oh, oh, absolutely preventative medicine. Oh, absolutely. No, I. I mean, I could tell you. I have. Uh, I was actually looking. I was looking when before we got on. I was looking for a letter from one of my former. Students. Oh, I want to talk. Okay, let's hear it. And, but I didn't. I didn't find it. But I could, you know, tell you. He. It was all about. Uh, you know, this was a. This was a guy who um, was had been incarcerated before high school very young at a very young age he was convicted of a very serious crime and he was trying to turn his life around mm-hmm. and you know i and a few other teachers were able to help him do that and you know if you if you consider if he'd spent 10 years of the last 20 wait, how long has he been up Jeez, he's been out of high school 25 years if he'd spent 10 of the last 25 years incarcerated mm-hmm. You know, that'd be like one and a half million dollars. Oh, that's a lot more expensive than hiring a teacher for a higher salary. Yes. Right. Right. So if you if you figure you can really I mean, and that's you know, that's the argument for that's the argument for all this stuff, like cut the prison budget, cut the, you know, Mm -hmm. cut the the, and then and if you if you and not just education, but the social services, you know, create create a world where kids don't fall through the cracks. And now you, but I, I, I want to, I, before, because we're limited in time, but I want you to talk about, you had talked last time we talked outside of our taping about a um, student of yours who was, is he still incarcerated and trying oh, yeah. to prove innocence? Yeah. And you, you've been writing letters. Mm-hmm. Talk about, talk about that because this, this is, so important that you get to stay connected you say you know learning goes on outside of the classroom and so your role with this student and others yeah i mean i send them i send them books too yes read and and um you know and he reads them we and we you know go back and forth about it um yeah i mean that's a very sad story he's he's uh you know he's innocent until proven guilty but he spent five years in jail and you know he's a young man of color an immigrant and the system just you know the evidence against him is very very flimsy basically it's based on 
it's based on uh, you know a plea bargain testimony of somebody who is guilty of a crime basically you named him to get a lesser sentence so connected with him so and, letter writing and but yeah but i i yeah i he was in my class um about 10 years ago he graduated in 2014 so he was in my class that year um and you know when i found out that he was that this had happened to him uh i asked for the address and started corresponding yeah so you have letters from him also oh yeah i have yeah dozens of letters from him he this is very questions. nice this will this will be well you know so important for you to be able to look at when you're an old man and for him if you know if he gets out and gets to resume life he'll have that encouragement you know san quentin has a wonderful education department i'm sure you know about it mm. and so these are people, when you talk about the importance of teaching and what it does for your inner elegance mm. to be educated, to be an educated person, these are people, many of whom they're not going anywhere, but they're getting right. their, but they're getting their high school and college degrees in prison for the joy of right. being. Because it's not just to have a career, it's to be a, right, it's to become a better person, to become yes. and yeah. for life to have, have more meaning. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, glad you said that part because that's so critical. Oh yeah. No. And I think, you know, and I think this young man has, you know, I think he's realized that, uh, I mean, I'm, I know he has bad days. Yes. He he's been put in solitary confinement, but I know his, you know, when he, what he writes to me, he's just, you know, it, it just amazes me how he's able to stay optimistic and, and oh, yes. you know, yeah. and, 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 um, you know, not just not just give up and become bitter and, and cynical and angry. You know? Now that's because I mean he gets to look at a life eventually outside of prison and making something good of his life with yeah. your letters of encouragement. Okay. I hope so. Thank you for making that point. Thank you for doing this with me. I would I would so like to see a day where people only people who were good at teaching, you know, they used to say if you what did they used to say? It was horribly insulting. Those who can do and those who can't teach. Right. But that's right. If you, if, if you believe that, it's if like I'm, the in the system, twilight, then, I'm in the twilight zone, right? We're telling our kids, like, you know, we're just going to throwing our kids in with a bunch of losers. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Well, um, and it also doesn't make any sense because teaching is its own art. I mean, there are people who are teaching who shouldn't be, and they're brilliant at their subjects but they can't get it across. Yeah. Okay. And there are people who aren't, who aren't good at any of it. And they have jobs because we don't value teachers enough. We don't value the kids enough. I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about public school, you know, and, and uh, mostly, mostly low income kids. And, you know, the value is, you know, it, about, it's, the values is not there. Okay, but I like what you said is just so important. You don't hear that too much. You do hear people talking about, you know, we just society doesn't value our teachers enough to pay them well and get the best. But I like your point about the the underlying message there is we don't care enough about our children, evidently, yeah. to get them the best. No, it's about the uh, right. It is about the kid. And um, actually, my I, I wrote a, one of my nonfiction books called Students First and Other Lies. Uh -huh. because every, everybody in the system pays lip service to that idea it's about the kids it's about the kids but nobody really nobody really does 
right by the kids who doesn't work with the kids. Institutionally, they don't. I mean, they're yeah. In- I mean, they're not, anyone who's not in a classroom, right. it's like you get that one step away from the kids and the decisions are made, you know, and, and they're based on, they're made for the point of adults and careers and vanity and politics. You know, it all starts at the, it all starts at the level of politics because the, you know, the governor wants to say our schools are number five in the country. And, you know, my, my opponent, when he came in, his oh, was number eight in the country, they want numbers and they don't, yeah, they don't care about kids. They care about the numbers. And, uh, you know, you can manipulate numbers and you can, but you know, it's not. It's just, it's it. The decisions are not. And if the and if if they did care about kids, they would give teachers more of a say because we know what they need. Right. We're working with them. They would trust us because the system does not trust us. You know, during COVID, administrators and district officials were losing their minds because they had no choice but to trust us. They couldn't supervise us the way that they. You know, they actually, there were principals that wanted us to be required to come into our school buildings early on in the pandemic and teach Zoom from our classroom so that they could watch us. Oh, oh. And of course, you know, the union, the union wouldn't tolerate that because of teachers who had health risks and whatnot. I mean, yeah. some of us wouldn't have minded. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have minded putting a mask on and coming in and doing that alone in my room, but um, but you know, they, they had to trust us that we were doing our job and it drove them nuts in, instead of like, you know, it should be the other way around. It should be, you know, why are we trusting you to spend I'm the money? Sure not. Why yeah. are we trusting? Yeah. That's why the whole thing is flipped. The whole thing, schools are the, 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 the leadership structure of a school is based on the military and a corporation. There's somebody at the top and then there's, you know, different levels all the way to the bottom. In a, in a corporation, the bottom are the low wage workers mm-hmm. and their decisions, their decisions aren't, you know, as I mean, they, if they, their job performance, it, 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 you know, affects the, the company, but clearly the people at the top, their decisions are, are more significant, but in a school, it doesn't work that way. If the lower, the lowest level is the teachers, that's upside down. It's backwards. Yes. We're the only ones who matter. We're the only ones whose work has any effect on the kids. Okay, good That's for you. That the is rest a- of you guys, the, the rest of you administrators, your only purpose in life is to make our job easier, is to make it so we can do our job. And I mean, there are other requirements of the school, but you know, you keep us safe, get us what we need, you know, keep track of the kids, but you know, otherwise you should be taking orders from us. Oh, good for you. That's what's wrong with the system. Yes. It should be like a law firm. Yeah. Law and firm, and yeah. by the way, there there is often, you know, you often hear, I have friends who are teachers and there is that principal teacher acrimony where they clearly have different goals. Thank you for doing this and for saying all of this. And maybe at some point there would be a way to get people to vote for people who have a different view of this. In other words, the people that you're saying who are at the top or the people who are in government who just want to look good themselves, they've got their own agenda of looking good, they shouldn't be in office. Oh, I have a whole list of people who shouldn't be in office. That's another story. Yeah. Okay. Part of, it is, part of it is politics attracts bad people, but also the job probably corrupts them too. So, 
what I, what I think though, is if we, if we modeled schools like a law firm where the, the partners were, were, you know, you have lawyers or partners and then you have somebody to run the business affairs. We know teachers should be running the school. You should have. Oh, wait, the so, so that's a really interesting point because you have to earn your way to being a partner in a law firm and yeah, then you can out. So you could do the same thing with teachers. Yes, of course. And then teachers, you should still, but if, if you should be running the, running the school and still, and still be in the classroom. Oh, now yes. you should have, you should also have a C, you should have a CFO in the school or CEO, whatever you want to call them, who orders supplies, mm-hmm. you know, who met, who, or who, who, or who makes sure that they get ordered by the person who, you know, who, who t- handles security and all that stuff. But that person should answer to the partners, the managing partners. Of the I like school, that. I like that. Experienced idea. teachers who know what a school is, who know something about learning, who know something about kids. That's a wonderful way to start something new at some point. That principle where, where teachers earn the right to become equal partners. Oh, let's work on this. All right. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Uh, I, I would love to be part of that. I don't know what I do. I can get kind of bossy. So maybe that would be helpful. Okay. Thank (laughs) Thank you, dear, for doing this with me. There's so much more to be said, but at least we learned something, even though it could take hours longer. Okay. I'm going to say thank you. And maybe we'll get to talk about something else another time. Sure. Okay. Thank you, dear. And until next time, this is um, Janet Gowan saying goodbye and we'll see you later. Bye. They're so lucky to have you. Yes. Thank you.